0: Uh, modern day meanings of the word grace would include beauty, elegance style, Um, but the meaning of the word grace in the Bible is much deeper. Uh, Grace is God's undeserved merit and favour, offered to us through his son Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this passage this morning um, we can see that the grace of God was always in existence. But then it appeared. The grace of God has appeared, uh, bringing salvation to all people. Now, just to, um, Sal, can I get you to flip to help us see that to 2 Timothy <coughs> chapter 1, verse 9. Um, the Gospel, by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. okay He gave us in Christ Jesus before time began, and which has now been manifested. Which means shown, or made known, made apparent, through the appearing of Saviour Christ Jesus. So, um, just notice there's a couple of key words there that are the same as the sentence we're looking for. um, Appearing. Um, And that his grace was before the ages began. I think, uh, for me, the knowledge of this makes me read the scriptures in a whole new light. Um, I used to think that somewhere between the Old and the New Testaments, God kind of had a change of mind. He kind of like went from making us live by lots of rules to making us live by trusting Jesus. And and it kind of seemed like when he saw how Miserable we were at following these rules, you thought, I've got to come up with this better plan. I'm I'm going to give you, you know, it's going to cost a lot, but we're going to give you Jesus. That's what it kind of seemed like. But knowing that the grace of God was present at creation, um, we read the Old Testament and we can see all the signposts pointing to Jesus and pointing to the cross. And as we read the New Testament, exploring the depths and the knowledge of salvation and how we should respond to that in the light of it. So verse 11, uh, so if we flip back to our Titus reading today. Um, says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And that means that at a certain time in history, the history of the world, God sent his own son, Jesus, to offer salvation to everybody. Um, interestingly, you know, if you want to find out when that was, just grab, just reach into your pocket and grab a coin. And on it, there'll be a year stamped. And this year is the year 2021 AD. AD stands for Anno Domini, and it's Latin. It means in the year of our Lord. Okay? Before the time of Jesus, we refer to those years as BC, before Christ. Um, interesting little side point, but the point of it is, though, is that the grace of God appeared at a certain time in our history. In reality, it really happened. And, and at that point in time, God's undeserved merit was made into an offer of salvation for all people. A long time ago, a uh, very long time ago, I used to be an apprentice mechanic. And uh, um, one particular week... Uh, we were working on a, on a tractor transmission. And we had a deadline. We had this deadline, which was Friday afternoon. This guy wanted to plough with that tractor that weekend. And and it was kind of a bad week. The faster we went, the more we had to kind of go back and pull it apart and split it again and drain the oil out of it and fix a little mistake we'd made. And it was such a, a frustrating week. But, you know, we, we met the deadline. We actually got the tractor on the truck and out the gate on Friday afternoon, heading for his farm, and I'm like, Because on Saturday, I started a week's holiday. <laughs> like, I was like, Whew. I'm I'm out of here. On Monday morning, I got a phone call from the boss. He said, I need you to come back into the office boy come back into the office. The boss's office is never a good place to be, especially when you're on holidays. Um, And he explained to me that over the period of the weekend, the oil bung in the bottom of that transmission had rattled out and fallen on the ground and all the oil had been lost. But fortunately, as that happened, um, the transmission changed gear and the guy noticed it and he turned it off immediately. And he put it on me. He said, "Rob, are you gonna make this right?" Because I knew it was should have been my spanner on that on that bung. It was my it was my mistake. And uh, and I said, I, I thought about it really hard. Holidays, make it right. Job, not have a job. <sighs> and he, he he he, we'll get there. <laughs> You know, he was the boss is presenting me with uh, two options. One is I pay for the mistake. The other option is I say, see you later, and he pays for the mistake. He pays for another mechanic to go out, fill it up with oil, do the tests on the transmission, make sure it's right, and get it going again. In the end, he chose to pay for my mistake in the end I didn't have to go out I actually did have a good holiday I was very thankful A point I'm making out of this is God's offer of salvation is not an ignoring of our sinfulness but it's kind of like my boss God himself pays the price for my self-confessed stuff ups Jesus is the only one who could pay for our sin because he had no sin? He lived perfectly as the Father wanted. If Jesus had sinned, his death on the cross would have been justified. But because he had not sinned, his death was unjustified, but it justified us. He paid for our sin, he made a trade with it. He received our sin, and we received. The blessing that was rightly his, his righteousness. It's what grace is. It's undeserved favour from God through his son Jesus that we have to accept. We must receive it. And you know, sometimes that's the offensive part. That's the hard part. The grace of God's offensive because like me standing before the... My boss, I have to admit, it's on me. It should have been me. It's my stuff up. We have to admit that we're sinners heading for destruction. I just want to backtrack just a little bit and ask the question what is sin? Um, Sin's not just the bad things we do. Sin, um, it says in the scriptures, is, and and it's in the the word sin uh, when you're in the. I not remember it's Hebrew or Greek, but it means to miss the mark. And uh, it's like Romans 3.23 where it says um, it falls short. We fall short of the glory of God. So we fire this arrow, but it doesn't hit the target. It falls, it falls short. Our Sin's every time we fail to measure up to the holiness and perfect goodness of God. Sin is every time we, that, that we don't trust God totally. Um, in the Garden of Eden... Adam and Eve failed to trust in God when they were tempted by the devil. Did God really say, nah, you'll be right here, eat this, it'll make you smart. In reality, sin puts us in total opposition to God and it puts us on the side of the devil. And the punishment for sin is death. But we must not be offended by the gospel of grace. We have to admit That we need it. We have our sin cancelled through the gospel of grace, wiped clean, guilt and shame gone. Verse 12, as I read verse 12, I see that it indicates that we must never move on from the gospel of grace but always continue to live in it because grace trains believers. The gospel of grace, I'm going to say, is the powerhouse of Christian living. It's the grace of God that takes us by the hand and teaches us to say no and yes. No to ungodliness and worldly passions and yes. To live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. No to ungodliness and yes to godliness. No to lust and gossip and yes to loving your enemies and feeding the poor. No to pride and yes to trusting in God with our prayers. In the, in the context of this letter... Paul's letter to Titus. To be godly, um, as we've been working through Titus, is to teach and uphold sound doctrine. Um, to be godly is to know and teach that grace cannot be earned, but it's totally a gift. Uh, and in the context of chapters 1 and 2, being godly means that older men are to be temperate, worthy of respect, self controlled, sound in faith, in love and in endurance. And they are to teach the younger men these things. The older women are to be reverent in the way that they live, to teach what is good, and they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Notice the vertical integration here of the groups. It's a sign of a healthy and a godly church. I just love to see a church... Which with mixed age groups that mix in that way, where the young people in in such um, excitement of their faith encourage the older ones, and the older ones that have seen, like my mum, have seen the grace of God working for sixty something years, and and have wisdom to share. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not a sprint, son. <laughs> it's a marathon. Stuff like that. And I want to make a really important point here that getting right with God doesn't come from godly living. We live a godly life because we've already been made right with God. Everything that we do in Jesus' name comes through the gospel of grace. Um, I want you to notice um, the two instances of the word appear in this text here this morning. Appear and appearing in verses 11 and 13. Uh, both instances are the appearance of Jesus in this world. Uh, one happened about 2,000 years ago, and the second appearance hasn't happened yet. Um, we were talking about that the other day, Curly and Sue, weren't we, about Jesus coming again? No one knows, except God himself, when Jesus will return. But between these two appearances, we live here today. In Deer and Bandy, wherever we are, living out our Christian life in between the two appearances of Jesus. and verse 12 being trained in godly living and verse 13 waiting this is where we live today um, the word waiting in the Greek has, has connotations of eagerness it's not I'm just waiting it's an eager it's an eager expectation of Christ's return Christians eagerly wait for their hope, Jesus Christ. Man, there's some words that need explanation in this, in this text here today. Our, the word hope these days has kind of got a soft, unsure feel about it. But hope in the Bible means something completely different. You blokes will identify with this. After three years of drought, <clears throat> farmers in 2020 put their hope in a crop for financial Let's say they <coughs> sprayed with expensive chemical sprays. We did. Uh, we were ready to use insecticides on bugs and grasshoppers whenever we could, and we used fungicides on fungus, and we used um, herbicides on weeds that might come up and compete with that crop. We, we are um, gonna. We're gonna back that crop. We're gonna. We're gonna fund it with whatever it needs. We're gonna pour. It hope in that crop in such a way that if that crop didn't come through there's a good chance we're financially ruined. We've actually been brought to the edge of ruin with a drought and then we go and spend all this money on this crop in the hope to get it back. Hope in Jesus is not like that. It's not like that in the fact that you wonder whether you're going to get it back. But it is like that in the fact you bet everything on it. You're all in. It's like the gambler pushing his chips across the table. He says, I'm all in. It's do or die. That's Christian hope. That's what we hope in with Jesus. If we don't, Easter, Sunday, actually means nothing. Um, Sal, can you um, just put that, uh, while we're talking, the song, uh, You Tore the Veil, that that chorus, actually, just up in there? Uh, Next weekend is Easter Sunday, and Easter is the centre of the Christian faith. It's the time of year uh, that we remember that the grace of God brought salvation to all people. On the day that we call Good Friday... Jesus died with the weight of punishment of the sin of the whole world on his shoulders, as mum described. He absorbed the punishment that should have been ours. And in the Jewish temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. It was a place that no one could enter. If you read your Old Testament, you'll know that the priest could only go in there once a year after he performed certain sacrifices and certain rituals. And they used to tie a rope around his leg, a long, loose rope. Uh, then he went in and the other end of the rope still out. Because if something happened to him and he had a heart attack in there, you couldn't go in and get him. You had to drag him out by the, by the leg. That's how serious it is to enter the presence of God in a state of sinfulness. but as Jesus died on the cross a lot of crazy stuff happened I read through about three gospels this morning of the accounts of Jesus' death on the cross and uh, it's probably more stuff than what I've just got here but basically the earth shook graves were opened dead people were raised to life Darkness fell over the land for three hours. But uh, the first thing that happened when Jesus died is that the curtain in the temple, that curtain that divided that most holy place from the rest of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. No mean feat when it was probably five or six metres tall, top to bottom. It's obviously a work of God. This is not some person that's gone and torn the temple in an act of vandalism. And what it signifies is that now it's safe to come before God because our sinfulness has been dealt with by Jesus. And this is what verse 14 is talking about. Um, so if we can I just want to put that chorus of you toward the veil up there because that's the significance of it um, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness so Jesus gave himself that's him dying on the cross for us to redeem us now you know what redeem means it's like a coupon right someone gives you a gift voucher and you redeem it right you go and, you go and claim it you claim it back Okay, um, Jesus gave Himself to claim us back from lawlessness. Now, um, one John three verse four says, "Sin is lawlessness." It doesn't say sin is a lawless deed. So it kind of means that sin is a state of lawlessness, and it's it's this state of being in in opposition to God. Jesus gave Himself to snatch us back from being in opposition to God. This is uh, what the Bible calls our justification. Uh, someone said that justify means just as if I'd never sinned. The Bible um, also says that Jesus actually undoes our sin. We, we do it, he undoes it. Some prostitutes after hearing the gospel uh, down in South Australia, went up to the preacher for prayer and they, say, they said, if, you, if what you say about Jesus' death on the cross is true, and we believe that, then we actually are virgins again. That is how powerfully clean mm-hmm. Jesus' death makes us. He purifies for himself a people for his own possession. And this is what sanctification is. Yo, this is a massive sermon, isn't it? All these things. Sanctification is to be set apart and made holy. Sanctification is all of God's work and it's none of ours. Now the S on purifies, purifies, not just purify, indicates ongoing work. Okay? It's not just he sanctified us and then let us run. He sanctifies us. He purifies us continually. It's not a, a once deal and now that you're on your own. It's ongoing. Sanctification is the ongoing work of God's grace. Sanctification is grace Training believers. Refer back to verse 11. Um, at the beginning I said this sentence of scripture is, has everything necessary for Christian living and you might or may still be asking, but hey, hey, where's the Holy Spirit? It's right here. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make men holy. Who are, zealous us for good works. And Romans 15.5 tells us that. Justification and sanctification are inseparable. If you're a Christian, you are both of these things. Christianity doesn't have optional add-ons like a new car you might buy. So in closing, I want to say if you're... you, You just have to think outside my box here. If you want to encourage your spouse to do good works like love you more <laughs> or you want to encourage your kids in Christ if you want to people Christians and encourage them to be zealous in good works teach them and then immerse them in, in the grace of God Okay, that's what I'm seeing from this scripture before us today mm-hmm. that the grace of God That the gospel of grace is not something to be left behind, but is something that everything in Christianity comes out of. It's not like a step one, we need to move on. It actually encompasses everything. The power of God, his healing, his prophecy, everything. His love to people, the forgiveness of sins. In, um, so I want to move into a time of communion this morning, and a uh, um, little miracle, a little you know, a little God thing um, is that I actually um, was thinking about and wrote down the bit in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus um, sweated drops of blood, which was what Mum mentioned this morning, and we hadn't been talking about that. Um, so Luke 22 verse 20 says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then further on in, um, in, in verse 39, it says, Jesus went out, this is after the supper, as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone strobe on them, he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and he sweat. It was like drops of blood falling to the ground. <clears throat> that happened after. The angel strengthened him. What I want to say out of that is that the grace of God is no small thing. It's, it is a really, really massive thing that Jesus would be so <coughs> struggling to make it to the cross that he would sweat drops of blood out of love you and me. It is such a massive thing. And as we gather here today uh, and we share communion, we remember what God has done for us. If you love the Lord a lot or you love him a little and you want to love him more, you're welcome to participate in this meal. If you want to receive the gift of God's grace, um, if you haven't received that, I really want you to um, come and see me and, and, and I want to pray with you. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have prepared these elements of bread and wine. I pray that the significance of your death And your resurrection and your Holy Spirit power would be made real to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. uh, Please um, come out in your own time.